I'm in, I'm in the I'm in the car right now in Woodbridge, Virginia, with my comedy partner in crime, Kason Wilson. You know, what up? AKA the, the generational curse breaker. Come on now. You know, merch god. The life the life of KAY.com. Go get yours. Yeah, man. Oh yeah. Before we do this, I'm, I got to show you how to um. The, this is boom right here and then so hold talk, it here and then talking to like the 1950s okay yeah, yeah. there you go yeah we so uh to all the listeners man right to set up the mood um it's 11 p.m you know oh yeah on a on a friday yeah in woodbridge virginia we just got done performing yeah uh, at a, at a, at the free was a freedom of Christ. What is it? The, I just call it common grounds. That's what they call the lounge part. Yeah, man. We just got done performing inside a church next to a bowling alley. You know, <laughs> which is where our, <laughs> our where our comedy careers are in a nutshell. You know, <laughs> it ain't. You know, we out we we comedy soldiers. We soldiers. We out here fighting for laughs. Yeah, and uh, it's real out here. You know, we uh, shout out to Maurice Brown for putting together this show. Yeah, you man. know definitely a, a learning experience yeah it was uh we had to really clock in tonight yeah some some shows will work some shows are if they feel like they just flow and they're fun and you know those shows where it's like wow that's why i do comedy and then what you did to start off your set was the equivalent of like a rock and roll lead singer jumping into the crowd <laughs> <laughs> and it's like you're like basically on faith hoping the audience lifts you up <laughs> But I feel like tonight they were like, let's see what happens if we don't. Yeah, let's just start. <laughs> let's just see. Uh, let's see where he goes with this. Yeah. They kind of like got out the way. And then you were just like, you literally were tickling people <laughs> like you go laugh. Yo, sometimes sometimes like a crowd doesn't know. I don't know. This is weird. Man. Dog, you saw you saw my set. I spent the first 10 minutes talking. The do- And I in retrospect, I probably should have continued to do that for the whole duration of my set the whole 20 oh yeah it was cool it wasn't like i when i got off it didn't feel good but i knew deep down it wasn't trash like i know a trash set when i (laughs) when i do one tonight wasn't trash but it wasn't a it wasn't you know what it was i listened to my audio from the last show i did here Mm -hmm. bruh you destroyed it, it was I was like, I was listening to on the way here on 95 South, and I was like, there's no way I can top. This is like everything hit. Every, like the crowd work was like, it was just like God gave me like the best situation. Yeah. Audience members, <laughs> audience members were coming up to me telling me what I was saying last year in the crowd work. They're like, yeah, do you remember those like five Latino people? They're all from different countries. And then you were like, we got our own soccer team here. Wow. Yeah. They were like telling me how good it was. And then, you know, they were like, they were like, telling me how this year their favorite part was my improv work so i was like all right you know next year i'll just do more crowd work you know some crowds don't want to hear jokes dog (laughs) or not or not even ready for jokes because sometimes you gotta set it up set up the mood like i feel like that's what you know that's what kind of like set you know the openers kind of set the pace set the tone uh i mean i ideally like I mean, I, th- I think that one thing in D.C. that we're really fortunate is that we have people who talk comedy IQ. Like, they teach mm. us comedy IQ. Like, you, you, being around people who, like, I mean, I talk about them all the time, but, like, Sean Sarvis and Eddie B. And, you know, like, the, uh, Alex. Like, a lot, there are a lot of people in the area who, like, put you up on game. So, like, I know 
Sean Sarvis and Eddie would talk a lot about like everybody wants to be a headliner, but everybody like the the sweet spot is the feature because mm-hmm. you don't have to warm the crowd up, but you also don't have the pressure of selling tickets and all that other stuff. But the host, it's your job to make sure that the show is a success, not just to do a set and get laughs. Like you got to set the show up mm-hmm. to for like everybody else to win. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, that was like overachievers on a on Wednesday. Yeah, you know sometimes I go out there. And it feels like half the crowd don't know me, which is like crazy because I'm usually I'm used to like people usually knowing who I am, like talk that on talk. over on overachievers, you know. Talk that talk. And so when I go out there, I'm like, oh, it's time to clock in because the jo- the priority is not for me to crush; it's to set it up. Yeah. And if I can set up the mood where by the time I say, "Y'all ready to have a good time?" and the crowd goes, "Yeah," then I'm like, "We better have a good show." Because you know why? Because I got Lafayette next. Yeah. Then I got Amina Imani next. Then I got Rel Battle next. Then I got. Case on next. Then I got Rob Hayes closing it out. Oh, we about to, it's about to turn up. You can't be Steve Nash in the huddle asking if you can dunk this time. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you can't, like, guys, yeah. can someone throw one up for me? It's like, no, that's not how the offense goes. Like, that's not what your you, contract's for, sir. Yeah. Like, you, a, a great host is the one who makes sure, like, I know uh, I did a show one time, and we all have these stories of, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, growing and learning and all of that stuff mm-hmm. so i remember i did a show and i did the set i killed for the first 10 minutes of the set i was supposed to do 15 so in the last five this person in the crowd starts talking and i'm like oh i don't want to i'm not trying to deal with this y'all ready for your next comedian like yo i'm just gonna be quiet and shut this person up mm. and then when the headliner came on this person was like talking for the first five minutes of their set and when the headliner came off he was like yo listen i had to host i had to do your job for the first 10 minutes of my set. Damn. I was like, what does that mean? He was like, I had to get the crowd ready to hear jokes, and that's your job. Damn. I had to headline and do your job. And um, my spirit was broken. <laughs> like, I mean, but, it, but I learned so much yeah. that day. Like, as a host, it really is your job to, like, get the crowd ready, especially if you know the personalities yeah. of the people. Bro, I mean, I'm talking that's, comedy. That's, but that's but, real, though. Like, as as crude as that what that dude said to you i needed to hear that every comic needs to hear that on a certain level you got obviously you know there's levels of this shit but the sooner you hear that you're gonna be built for 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 you know the future because there's some there's some people that are delusional on what the host is supposed. sometimes people come off stage and i see a host they're like ah i'm like what what's wrong he's like i didn't crush i'm like dog you're the like that's not your job son like your job is to just set the shit up if you if if by the time you say hey my name is X Y Z you already have a good time, and they're they're feeling it that's 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 what the goal should be. Yeah. You know, crushing is icing on 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 top. That's like the dessert. Like yeah, people coming up to you after the show and like yo we loved you you were you know fit. that's like that's obviously a great feeling, but the best case scenario is the show is great and people come up to you that was such a great show. Yeah. As a host. You know, then we get into headlining and featuring, you know, and you can sell an extra couple of T-shirts. Hey, hey, that's nice, too. That's nice, too. Yeah. <laughs> we like paying our bills on time. Do you do you like do you like do you view uh, hosting overachievers as a comedian or do you host it as like a producer? Does that make that's a question? Yeah. Yeah. No, nah, it's um, it's uh, yeah, it's definitely a different hat than because um, I just started headlining and um, it's definitely not the same energy. I can't go into it with the expectations of a headliner. Like how I feel yeah. as a headliner, because I feel like I'm transitioning. I'm not a, like a pure headliner now. I feel like I'm a feature, learning how to headline. 
But when you start hosting as, as many years as I have, I learned to manage my expectations. Obviously, I, wa- I, I, I want a certain level of laughs, but when I don't get it, um, I got to keep uh, keep up the energy of a host, which is, you know, don't shit on them. You could poke them a little bit, yeah. you know, get them to, hey, this is this is the show we about to, you know, y'all over here need to step your game up. This side of the room got it, but y'all don't. Y'all on some PTA vibes. Like, what's going on? And, like, kind of poke them a little bit, but keeping it um, on that host energy, which is, uh, yeah, I go into it different expectations from a feature headliner set. As a feature headliner, you should be, you should be, you know, going in. As a host, yo, if you don't get them, it's all just don't, you know, I feel like where you could take an L is when you start to, like, be negative. Yeah. As a, that's like one of the worst. This crowd sucks. Yeah, like ah, yeah. Oh, y'all not ready to laugh? You ready for your next comedian? Yeah. Like, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. Then, he, then you put in the, then you put in the next comic in a situation where he got to really like you know bring it. Win the crowd, which yeah. is which is your job as a host. As a host, right? But and then so like I growing up, it was like you looking at Marvin Harris and Martin, like mm-hmm. the hosts were like the stars of the show. Bro, they were the master of ceremonies. It's beautiful. That's what it feels like me at Overachievers. I feel like Martin Lawrence at Def Jam. Yeah. You know, I, I but I'm still learning how to become Martin Lawrence. Like in, as far as like, you know, crowd work needs to. You know, I can go in more. I got to go in because I was doing crowd work on Wednesday that was hitting so hard. Yeah. Then I went into material. Same thing tonight. Material couldn't match the crowd work that I was doing. I was like, Yo, that be yo. That's honestly one of the <laughs> worst feelings when you do like this killer first ten minutes of crowd work, Dog. and then it's like the first joke goes over and they're like. It was cool. It wasn't like a bomb. It wasn't like a, a like a, a bit doesn't tank, but it, it's not that same energy of what the crowd work was. And you're like, yeah. ah, that's a frustrating feeling because you're like, all right, you know, I know that what that usually gets, but I guess y'all like the, you know, making fun of the dude ordering Jameson on the first date. So let me uh, go back to messing with the audience, I guess. Dive Listen. back in, do that, uh, jump off the dive, diving board. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I feel sometimes. Like, even tonight, it just felt like. Now, you was going in. I mean, you was on the decibels were on a million. You were really, like, turning up. Yeah. I could tell when you try. I could tell when you, like, really, really working for them. Yeah. But you always, I mean, to be honest, though, you're one of the com- few comics I feel like. You turn up almost on, like, you know, on show shows, like professional shows. I'm not a low-energy comic. Yeah. Like, I, I can't. I've tried to, like, I know when, um. Like a Patrice O'Neill past. Yeah. I tried to like sit on the stool and talk, but yeah. it's just not me. Yeah. So it's it doesn't come off the same. Like I don't know. Like I wish I could just be like a I wish I had that thing where I admire people who could just sit there and like joke tell and, and just punch and punch and punch. But yeah. I'm all I've always been like a performer kind of I've so. seen you evolve in the past three, four years. Really? You know, your storytelling, your beats, your emotion, um, your your uh, ability to capture an audience. Um, you know, I'm very proud to see how much you've, how far you've come, and you've definitely evolved. I think with you, it's just a matter of time, and you know, that's why, like tonight, I was having that like convo with you as far as like, you know, reaching people. I feel like you should have a podcast. Like your podcast would be amazing to hear because you kind of got that. What I try to aspire to be is like off that inspirational without trying to trying too hard, like like not be hacky inspirational, but like that's that's who you are. You think so? Yeah. Because you be like, even your stories, like, you're not afraid to be vulnerable, which I think um, in 2019 in comedy, that shit is an asset. Yeah. Bro, 
not a lot of people be talking about their shit. No disrespect to no our peers, but it's just not. It's not. Uh, you know, it's not in their nature. It's not their first. You know, instinct to be like, yeah, I didn't grow up without a father. Like that's not yeah. like uh, the first. That's someone who's been doing it for twenty, thirty years, and then has the ability to say something like that, and then walk the audience through a story that ends with like a punchline or a met. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So that's like that takes many. That's that's almost like you're very mature in your performance oh. like that. You know what I mean? That's what I I remember watching your special and telling you I was like, yo, man, that shit was a uh, motivational. And I, it made me, I think after watching you, I, I, I feel like I leveled up because then I was able to aspire uh, a certain, to be a certain way on stage, you know, like, but I, my approach is almost different than you. Like, yeah. I feel like I, I talk softer, but yeah. then I try to, you know, I don't need the laughs every second. That's what I learned from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't need, but as long as I'm engaging and they're like locking into my emotions and how I feel about a certain situation as long as it's coming from a real place I feel like they're going to stay with me yeah and I learned that from you and uh, I think that like the one thing that I always aspire to do because I came into comedy from acting and I think that has aided in or at least shaped the way that I kind of think about it conceptually because I always want Whatever jokes I'm telling, I want you to feel the emotion. I don't. I don't care. I mean, obviously, I'm a comedian, so we're paid to make you laugh. Right. But like, within the art part of it, like, I want you to feel how I feel. So, like, if I'm telling a story about my dad, that wasn't funny. That was really painful. So, like, it's my job to like get to the point. Like, I can still like. T- I know all the moves. Like, you know all the moves of your mm-hmm. jokes. But like, if I'm sad and depressed in the joke, like, I want you to feel that. I don't want you to laugh while I'm not like I, I want you to literally feel the emotion as I'm feeling it. So like that's like your most vulnerable story uh, or bits I'd say you have like and you kind of cl- you close on it usually. Yeah. And um, one thing I noticed tonight, which, you know, makes me, you know, reminds me of how to approach a set sometimes is like it's hard to open with vulnerable stuff only because I feel like the audience needs to trust you and where you're going with it, like gaining their trust. And uh, for me tonight, it was like because we were doing a clean comedy show, I caught myself a couple times like not saying the words I wanted to say. Yeah. And I feel like that kind of, uh, you know, took away from my set. But not. In, but it's just I just need more reps in this type of environment. You know, once a year isn't enough for me to do a clean show and yeah. then like get back in that gear. I actually remember you saying it last year, like, "Hey guys, I'm, <laughs> I don't do clean that often." Like, I, didn't you say that I, in the yeah, set last yeah. year? I was very open. I was like more vulnerable last yeah. year than I was this year. But I think because I, I, last year went so well, I was like, "Let's just see. don't try to don't try to, yeah don't yeah. try to like emulate it. Just be yourself. It's not. I've been doing it long enough, dog, to let like to not get caught up in the sets that aren't what the other set was." You know yeah. what I mean? Because sure. I know how this shit goes. This shit sometimes this shit everything lines up. Yeah. You know, we've all know those nights when everything lines up and it's like boom, boom, boom. You're like, yeah, that jump was. Tight. Why wasn't Netflix here to see this? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was a special. That was a special. And then, uh, you know, and then nights like this where you got clock in and people, you know, it's never as bad as you think and it's never as good as you think because like sometimes you might get off stage and you're not feeling it, but then people come up to you and you're like, that was. I really enjoyed you. 
Yeah, that is actually crazy. Like listening back to yourself and being like, "Oh, that wasn't that bad." Yeah. Or, or if you're like, "Yo, I destroyed," <laughs> and it's like, "No, it was those were those are those were very aggressive chuckles." Right, right, like, right, right, right. It didn't come from the diaphragm. Yeah. Nah. I mean, it's uh, as a comic, it's you gotta be careful with like how you feel, like how you, uh, you know, how you approach this and not get caught up and not get gassed up. Cause like you end up, you know, in Woodbridge on a Friday doing a podcast in the car, <laughs> and you gotta, you gotta, you gotta stay kind of like low to the ground in this, in this, in this. Like, uh, you can get man. Yeah, I mean, like even me, like, I mean, I don't know what your process is, but like, yeah, tell us, tell us, uh, you uh, know, I was literally into this specific. Okay, so I. I I had um well I talked to Donnell Rollins. I did a set at the Hollywood Improv and it didn't go as well as you know how you you ever been like killing for like three weeks straight mm-hmm. and then one show is like stops you in your tracks like oh I'm not you know what I'm saying like can I ask you this yeah is that not how the waves go in comedy has that not ever been the has that ever not been the case for you that's accurate you know what I mean but 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 do we both know that. As like you're a little bit further in, but like I know that. Like that's the thing. Like I walk around knowing that. Like yo, I could be on a hot streak, but I get off stage after a, a great set and know in the back of my mind when people are patting me on the back, telling me yo, that was amazing, dog. That was great. Yo, I'm that else that 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 set's gonna come where it's gonna humble. Like that one humbling set is on, is on its way. Yeah, you know what I mean. I know when I when it happened to me. Donnell was there, and he was like, yo. He went on stage, and, you know, if somebody don't do as well as you think or they should, the host has to go on stage, and you kind of have to, like, you have to destroy the person. Yeah. Like, you just. I mean, do you? <laughs> I mean, a part a part of you has Maybe to. Maybe Chocolate Sundays you has to. Like was, it, got, was it Chocolate Sunday? No, it was at the Improv. The Laugh Factory was great. Oh, was it Mo Money? Um, yeah, it was. Uh, well, tell the audience what. I know what it is. I know what Mo, Mo Better Mondays is. It's, it was one D-Ray. It's D-Ray show now. Yeah. But Donnell's hosting it, and he brought me up after we had just finished the weekend at the Improv, and it did not. Isn't it kind of a hood show? Yeah. But I set it up, set it up, because a lot of people don't. I know, I know okay. what D Ray show on Mondays so, at Hollywood Improv is like, because I've been there. So I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His so, shows are hood. It's um, it's definitely a crowd who you have to be prepared to come in. Like, you gotta here, work. You gotta work. Like that's the, the that's one of the few shows in L A. That's like people come out and they 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 like have a history. There's a history of that. Thing. I don't know if you know that. Oh, I didn't know that. There's a history of comics eating it in D Ray. Loving it when they eat it. It's like a, it's like a um, earn your stripes type of room. That's the, that 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 show is infamous for that. It's See? designed like that. I don't know if you met the um, the big swole dude. What's his name? Uh, who kind of runs it with uh with D Ray? I don't know. Uh, it's like he got like a he got like a nickname that's like a pit bull or bulldog or something like that. But <laughs> yeah, he's like a like a ex gangster type dude. But he's intimidating as fuck. Okay. Um, but they kind of created this culture where like. You, they don't want you. It's like it's a weird feeling. Like they don't, you know how some rooms they want you to do good. Like it's like a welcoming vibe. Like that room is not a welcoming energy. Like you got to go in there ready for war. Yeah, type shit. You got to earn your, especially. But if you're not a name type shit. Yeah, and I, I and I, I think I, I just didn't have that context, and I wasn't. Like the one thing that I'm learning now is that like even in the good sets, 
they're still fat to trim. You know what I'm saying? Like I, there would be times where I would have great sets and just didn't record them because I'm like it went well, or I wouldn't listen back to them and stuff. And I'm learning like yo, the discipline of being an artist and a comedian and a writer is like yo, there's always something that you can work on. You know what I'm saying? Like, and you gotta. There's so many rooms. Like I feel like us coming up in DC is very different than uh, the young comedians who are coming up now because it's like we there was so much smoke. Yeah. At open mics, yeah. like you, Paris, Rollo, yeah. Russ, like, like, yeah. It, yeah, it was almost like if your new material had you had to be like ready to like headline with material that you hadn't even said before because everybody else is coming out with this like heat out of nowhere. So, yeah, it, in front of hostile environments, yeah, that's what we don't have really coming up right now. Is like there's some hostile, like there, there's a lot of friendly. All the mics are packed here in DC. Like you yeah. go to a mic, it's packed. Yeah. Um. Can you walk us through the Hollywood Improv set and tell us what happened? Like how how what was it like the, because like again, L. A. Hollywood Improv Monday Night D. Ray show Donnell Rawlings hosting like that's a, that's a coveted spot. Yeah. So, I went up there just to chill. I had just, I had just come from the comedy store. It was a Monday. Um, I went up to the improv. I got in. I said, what's up to everybody? I was just going on some, like, trying to show my face. Because in L.A., that's, like, a big deal. Like, out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. Where? So, Donnell, that's, like, I, you know, he's that's my man. So, he was like, yo, you trying to get up on stage? And I kind of just grew up in the area where it's, like, I grew up in the area. Like, I sound old. But when I was coming up, it was like, yes. You always say, yeah. Like, you always want the stage time. Yeah. Now, in retrospect, I would have been like, no, nah, I'm chilling. And what, he would have called me out. Was there anything in your mind that you felt like you should have said no? Yeah. What was like? What was that? What is that? What was that? What was it that made me feel like I should have said no? Yeah. Um. Because like for those listening, you know, everyone knows Kason is like a DC, you know, staple. He just moved to LA as of like a few months ago. Yeah. You're new to the LA scene, trying to break in. Paint the picture for the like you know for an audience member listening you're like why wouldn't you go up at the Hollywood Improv on one of the hottest you know shows in town? I, I tried to I one strategy that I, I a mentor told me about that I tried to stick to is just go to all the mics and just sit in them and just kind of like look how what kind of comics do well there what kind of comics do they book there like who do you see how do they talk like what's the culture you said mics or shows both. Okay. Like, just go to everything. Because when you go back, you need to know what you're getting yourself into. Like, I'm I'm black and I talk really loud. And that's so, like, how many of those comics survive? How do they get through? What kind of sets do they do? Like, I just, I, and I hadn't got a chance to do that there. So I was just going up, like, cold. Like, so I got I, a couple of mistakes. Literally, Donnell, when I got off stage, Donnell detailed every single mistake that I had made. So I'll, I'll go through all of them for you. Oh, now. my God. So Brett Riley goes up and he does this set where he's like singing to black women. Brett Riley's a white guy, right? Or he's not? a white guy. He's like on all deaf digital and all that stuff. Okay. Dope, dope dude. Good dude. He goes on stage and does this set. And then I'm up after him. How'd he do? He did really well. Like he's a he's a it's a black I don't wanna say a black room, but it's an urban room and he's a white dude singing R and B music with a nice voice. Like yeah. you're gonna win every time. Yeah. Like that's that's just beating the system, cheating the system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had the game genie code. Yeah, and then I come around. Like he, he was, he was putting it down like singing boys to men. So it was like, it's like Apollo. Yeah. The black dude who sings R and B music, you can boo him. Yeah. But the white dude, it's like you almost have to. 
he yeah. almost always gets a standing ovation. He's like the anomaly. You got yo. We gotta get. You gotta give him some props. He came in here. He was like the underdog. White dudes on the Apollo are like Special Olympics. <laughs> it's like, oh, they're, they're yeah. really like you gotta support it. Yeah. You know what I'm but if Kobe did it, it was like that was nothing. So I went on stage and was like, oh, y'all like y'all like white dudes singing R and B music. <laughs> you know how you ever <laughs> you ever like said a lot? You ever bombed in one line? Yeah. Like where immediately you know you made the wrong. Like you are working from behind. So the one mistake that I so made, that was like. All right, let me let's let's my bad. Let's slow this down. Okay. When that line that came out your mouth, the opening that was the opening line. Yeah. Did you think about that off stage or was it in the moment? That was like a feeling. I thought about it off stage. Mm-hmm. But LA is very different than DC. Oh yeah, no, nah, it's a, the energy is way different. And Donnell, the first thing he said was like, "You never go on stage with the energy of the last person unless the audience makes a big deal out of it. And the audience did it. It wasn't nothing bad, nothing wrong. I, l- I went on stage because that's what I would normally do. I'll talk about what happened before, but he was like, yo, you go up there and you do your set. Like, establish yourself, and then if you want to get off, you can do that, but you're not the host. Like, <laughs> Don't now say that on stage after you. <laughs> no, he didn't say that. Yeah, he did. He did? Yeah, oh, he destroyed me. <sighs> it was it was bad, but... Walk us through. Walk us through the whole thing. Yeah, so I go on stage, and I say, oh, y'all like white dudes singing R&B, right? And the problem is I had no joke to go after that. I just yeah. thought it was funny. And it's a comment that should have just stayed to uh, myself. It was bad. That was it? That was the line? And there was no nothing after that? You ever heard a comic bomb and then it gets quiet and then they try to go into a joke? And the mere fact that you had to go straight into a joke makes you bomb worse. So, it, it, so I tried a joke and then and I told everybody, hey, I just moved here from D.C. And I go into this joke that works all the time. And it just didn't work. And I, I, I tried to, like, tell this story. And there wasn't time to tell the story. It was a time to, like, get to the funny really quick. Yeah. And that was something that I learned. You know what I'm saying? Like, in D.C., I had been doing a lot of... And this is no excuse. Like, I'm a comedian, a professional, all that good stuff. I, I sound really bad. Like, anybody who hasn't seen me live and listened to this is probably like, this dude no, is no, no, terrible. You but know, no, no, I feel like... Here's the thing. Kason, everyone knows he's been on this podcast before. I feel like a lot of listeners already know you. Okay. But for those who don't, you know, uh, the guy is, he's a DC comedy, like, staple. The guy headlines all, he's, he's closed out the overachievers plenty. Of, he's been, he's, he's done the overachievers more than any other comic in DC, I'd say. Really? Yeah, I'd say you're up there. That actually makes me really happy. Yeah, dog. Because I love this show. Yeah, man. Um, so. So walk us through. Uh, so I, I did this joke about how, um, a white lady at the Navy Yard station yeah. in D.C., went too far to Anacostia but in my mind I was given enough context to where I, I didn't ha- you didn't have to be in DC to tell the story but it just took way too long to get to the punch and by the time I got to it it didn't land and then it was just then I started a name joke and then he gave me the light and then I got a big laugh but I couldn't like go any further so it was just like awkward and then I got off stage and then he came and was like yo what did you do like get into your joke cut the fat trim the fat like that joke, that one joke that takes you three minutes to tell in a twenty-minute set, should have been a thirty-second joke within this set. Like you, yeah. you got to trim the fat, and you got to know that if you if you have an audience who's used to hearing all of this fast-paced, yeah. these fast-paced jokes, starting off with a story and and not being wise about like yo get just establish your funny before you try to go into something that requires a little more attention and focus. It's like. 
cool. And as, since then, I feel like I've been really intentional about like working towards being able to do the same jokes in a headliner set, but doing those same. I can do a five minute set and just punch those jokes up. So that really kind of like get, got me to grind in a different way. Like LA is just a yeah. different. It's a different place, bro. It's like it's not. It's not DC. Like you got to prepare a different way. You're doing three minute sets and putting your name in a hat with two hundred other comedians. Like it's it's just a different vibe. So it took me a while to get used to, but I feel like that night kind of opened my eyes to like the kind of work that I needed to be doing. Yeah, a few things stick out to me that I think are positive. One. You got a guy like Donnell Rowling's pulling you to the side and telling you what you need to work on. You know, for those who don't know, Donnell Rowling's is, you know, one of the greats, you know, and at least he's respected all across the country. I don't know? I don't know of five better live, better performers comedians to see live. Donnell pulling you to the side, telling you these things is so valuable. It's him and Chappelle on tour. You know, like, what that's mean? what you need to know. It's it's, uh, you know him pulling you to the side telling you these things is so valuable you going on a hollywood improv show that's packed out experiencing that early on in your la experience is very valuable yeah because you kind of cutting right to the it's kind of a blessing and i i know you might be like what what are you talking about because if it goes good you might think this is what la is going to be like yeah but yeah. It, but but then you experience this pretty early on on that dog that show because you don't know i used to live i i i I've been making trips to LA. I'm low key waiting for you to what go in to come back. Oh yeah, now it's going. It's we working on. But let me tell you, culturally, that show they're looking for the like, that's a part of the show. Was that? Oh, I didn't know that. That's a part of the show. Like you were that dude that night. There's always <laughs> that dude, yeah. and it's like, but see, but you what you did was you got to go into like war mode. It's like combat. You know this. Yeah. But it's a different. It, like you right. Because the, the problem is that you can't simulate is going to a, across the country and being, it's like an away game. Yeah. No, you don't got your, when you at DC Improv, yo, you know exactly what, you know exactly where to walk on the stage, put your, you know, look down at the guy and be like, yo, this is a bad place to sit. You know, you know exactly what to do. The DC Improv is living at home with your parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You in the living room, hanging out, doing jokes in front of your Rent family. Rent free and you think life is great. Yeah. And then you get out on the road, and it's like, well, you gotta just—that's where you, uh, you know, that's where you cut your teeth, and you know. But that's that's so that's that's two things. So there's the Donnell Rawlings. That experience was positive because it, it basically showed you what you know, what you have to work on, yeah. right? Yeah. And then you know, the last thing is is like, uh, yeah, dog, it's gonna make you stronger because these shorter sets you're so used to featuring and headlining. That you, it's been a minute. It's been what ten years since you had to do sets like that and prove yourself. Yeah. When was the last time you had to prove yourself, Kason? Now it feels like every day in L.A. But that's what I'm saying. But when was it like in D.C.? You didn't have to do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No one like Sean Joyce, Allison Jack. No one's like, well, let's see what Kason can do. Like, let, nah. me hit, let me hear your best three minutes. Yeah. That's not happening. That's true. That's true. That so, makes perfect sense. So now. That's what I'm saying, dog. Like, I, I, I can see that from the outside looking in. I know exactly what you're going through. I've been to L.A. I've gone. I went, I hosted Comedy Juice in uh, Hollywood Improv. Oh, word. Yeah, man. Dane Cook was on that lineup. Orny Adams. Kirk Fox. Um, Ahmed Ahmed. Uh, Daphne uh, Springs. So I was like, on, I'm hosting. Yeah. So, like, you know, but I was, in, uh, fortunately, I've been hosting for so many years that I was able to just do it, and yeah. it went really well. Orny Adams went in on me a little bit, but besides that. Really? Yeah. Cause Dan Cook crushed so hard 
on his set for 25 minutes. He got off, and I'm, in my mind, I'm like, oh, let's just keep this shit rolling. I don't need to say anything. I just be like, yo, give it up for Dane Cook. He motherfucking killed that shit. And everyone's like, ah, let's keep that same energy going for your next comedian. He's very funny. Give it up for Orny Adams. So Orny Adams comes on stage, and he's like, he like, in all my 25 years <laughs> of doing comedy, <laughs> I have never heard a host say he motherfucking killed that shit. Who the fuck is this guy? Huh? Who the fuck? And like the energy just goes. Yeah. And in my mind, I'm like, damn, he's just going in on me for like two minutes. But then after the whole thing played out, I realized that Dane killed so hard that this was his way of bringing it back bringing down. It back down. And then he he brought it back up after like 10, 15 minutes to like that same level of Dane. And then he got off on a huge. And then I go on stage and I go, give it up for Arnie Adams. He motherfucking killed that shit. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's like, ah. Uh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got, yeah, that shit was hilarious. And, um, but that was, you know, but these are guys you used to watch on TV, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Or, you know, and you're like, fuck, they're going on me. You know, I'm, I'm like, it's my first time ever doing the Hollywood Improv and I'm hosting at the time the hottest show in town. This is like two years ago. Yeah. So I was like, fuck. And uh, I, it was nerve wracking. That room is hard. Sure. That's not an easy room. The Hollywood Improv is not a very like, set up like the, it's not like the DC improv where the DC improv is like set up perfectly for yeah. comedy whereas Hollywood's a little bit spread out it's not like I, th- I feel like all the clubs are like that though yeah um yes the belly room is pretty dope I like the belly room yeah belly room's cool I've never done the laugh at, haha is pretty cool haha is like not like it's like low ceilings but it, it's all like spread like it doesn't have feel- you done it when it's packed yes okay I just, um, I just feel like that one I feel like Haha is like Probably one of the easier clubs In, in LA It's like the most It reminds me of DC Because it's like work. It's not like Because you know When you're on Sunset Strip It's like a different type of audience Yeah They're like ho- Like they're Hollywood They're like Kind of like Whereas like Haha is like A little bit more like People who are from there You know what I mean I, Chocolate Sundays When you kill Chocolate Sundays It just feels good Yeah Have you done Chocolate Sundays? I did It It just felt good Yeah It's you know It's it's cool. Tell and the audience what Chocolate Sundays is. Like, so Chocolate Sundays is a show that is executive produced and created by Pookie Wigginson. And if you don't know who Pookie Wigginson is, he is Kevin Hart's manager. Like that's he is he is the guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you go on YouTube right now and look up Chocolate Sundays Laugh Factory, Chocolate Sundays is where you saw an early Kevin Hart, early Cat Williams, like everybody who you see now who had to come through LA. Little Rel, like all these people started and made a lot of their names at Chocolate Sundays. Every Sunday at the Laugh Factory, two shows. Um, man, it's just like, it's an incredible show. It's like one of those shows where it's like every comedian, every black comedian is there that night. Yeah. So if you do well, that's a place where people are like, you know, before the show, before anybody sees you perform, you're like, hi, I'm Kason. Who are you? How are you? And it's nice to meet you. And they're like, Get away from me. And then you perform, and they're like, what's your name again? You're funny. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the place where people are like, yeah. oh, yeah, that dude's funny. Yeah. I, I really like performing at the Ice House in Pasadena. Okay. It's really cool. Um, I've never done the main stage. Yet. I've only done this, the auxiliary, like the little smaller. The, yeah. yeah. It's actually really cool, man. But has anyone, um, what's your experience been like so far in L.A.? Has people looked out for you? Uh, Have you gotten any, like, plugs, like, any, like, or has it been mostly just grinding it out? I think the thing, and you've talked about this a lot, but I guess, you know, when you learn things from yourself, it's just new. Yeah. But the one thing in L.A. that I think I, I got exposed to 
is that in D.C., I put the, the stand-up comedians in D.C. up against any other region. You give me, like, the top 10 comedians in D.C., I'm coming to your city, and it's not... You give me, like, yeah, you, nah. Rollo, Paris, Laugh, Weems, like, yeah, nah. you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm gonna... It, we're gonna win. It's, like, it's, 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 yeah, it's a, it's, a cra- it's a crazy time for D.C. comedy right now. We like, are, I, we've been talking about it. It's, it's, a, it's exciting, still. But I think the one thing in L.A. that I think has been a stretch but it's been a tremendous like help for me is like seeing people who do stand up at night but they write for TV shows during the day or they they film in sketches during the day and building their network it's like there's there's so much more to do in the business than just stand up like I love stand up I'll be doing it forever but there's so much more to do in the business that you don't really realize that here because things just started coming to DC. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like shout out to like Kevin Hart, Heart of City, uh, Last Comic Standing came through here, True TV, Laugh Tracks yeah, came through Comedy here. Comedy Central, yeah. Just for Laughs. Just for Laughs came through here. Like a lot of do- uh, uh, epics, Wanda Sykes yeah, and Paige Hurwitz, like they've been coming through DC. It's like really starting to build up. So in five years, who knows? You know what I'm saying? Who knows? But they're so... I, I was telling Alex Scott yesterday, like, I wish that DC can just come up with, like, a Hollywood industry class every week or every month, like, once a month that comedians can come to and, like, learn the business, like, learn how to, like, script write and learn how to, like, take acting classes and improv classes. Like, yo, out there, they're doing that. You know what I'm saying? Like, out there, the same thing you're doing now, what people are saying, like, all the big comedians, they're just doing each other's podcasts and, and building their network. Like Theo's doing this person's podcast, yeah, and Joe I Rogan know, does his. Po- like they all just do it. They just po- and I, dog. I learned by watching and opening for the. I opened for Theo. I saw with my own eyes what he's doing. Yeah, you know, and it's like t- to see the impact of like because you do shows so, for so long, but you see the difference between a comedian with a like a regular following and a comedian with a podcast following. When you got a podcast following, it's a different energy. Yeah, like they with you for the whole ride. Like they they know. What your mom's name is? They know what you're like. Jeez. They come into the they come into the the room knowing like, like what happened to you in middle school and like you know what I mean that yeah. traumatic experience. So they already know Jeez. like details about you because they listen to you for two three hours a, a week on these episodes. Talk just telling stories. That's what I was telling you off air. I was like, yo, dog, like you have that ability to tell a story that a lot of people, even comedians, can't really do. Yeah, you know what I mean. Very few comics are storytellers. Believe yeah. it or not. Yeah, you know. That's a still a that's a that's a big asset in 2019 to be able to tell a story. Yeah. People attempt to tell stories, but to have a whole story that come to an end, like a beginning, middle and end, it's still a challenge. Yeah. You know, that's why laugh tracks is very successful, I think, cuz they find people that can do 3-4 minute stories and that's still in demand. Yeah. Those clips online are doing very well. Yeah, my you hit, know? my hit a million. Dog, that's that's insane. It's actually pretty nuts. You know, that's nice. But imagine if you got to put that up on your own thing. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm kind of push pushing. Uh, uh, my 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 peers and colleagues and friends to like, yo, man, build your stuff up because that's why I have you on this one because I want to keep continuing to promote people who I know are ready to take it to the next level. Like yeah. I want yeah. people to Google you and YouTube you and look at your laugh tracks episodes and your TV episodes. Yeah, I like I'm. I mean, I, when I say L.A. has been a legit learning experience, like, 
It has. Like, being in, you go to certain markets and people fighting over, like, open mic time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, yo, the industry is way bigger than that. Way bigger, bro. Way bigger than that. Like, I know people who, like, yo, I do stand up for fun because I write on this TV show and I'm good. Like, benefits, I make over six figures a year. Yeah. We work for a couple months out of the year. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's. You know what's wild, though? It's like, D.C. just became a place where you can be full time. Yeah, it just became that I think because there's so many clubs now. There's five clubs. Yeah, not just the clubs, but there's just so much audience that you can build it to the point where like, you know, you can between like ticket sales and merch, you can live off it. But I wouldn't recommend. I mean, it's not for everyone. I no, still please work if you can. Yeah, no, I still think that L.A., New York are definitely the main places to go to like take it to the next level. But you know, I think like now five, but improv. Yeah, DC Improv. Arlington Draft House. Yeah, Loft, DC. Loft, Big Hunt, Big Hunt. Okay, crazy. Yeah. Wow. Plus all the other like surrounding Rooms. like yeah, paid like opportunity like because now the Loft has the cellar, so that's like another club. Yeah. 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 I'm about to do a monthly show where I do an hour of material, working on new material every month. I knew you would end up doing that. It's I just I, I was trying. I was we doing, talked about doing that like a while ago. But now I'm ready because I'm going to go on the, on the stage with a notebook and just, like, just talk to them. Free show, packed house, running my – give opportunities to young, young comics, you know, for one year, two years, three years in, an opportunity to, like, open it up and go in front of a packed house. Yeah. And then I go on and do an hour to 80 minutes. Dope. Yeah, but, I again, like, even when I did my special, I think that's the one thing that I always had a mind for is, like – developing your own storytelling you know what i'm saying bro like that's something i always wanted to do like i never saw the benefit of just waiting for somebody to see it in you to put you on a show it's like i can do it myself i can get my own space there's plenty of theater spaces in dc i can do it myself 100 percent, dog and then like what makes you special is because you you kind of came up in the church uh you know Mm -hmm. and that's your story yeah. It's not like you forcing it, but you kind of gravitate towards that type of audience, and it's a very organic experience. So, if anyone were to see Kason in his element, you know, doing sixty to eighty minutes in front of that that vibe, it's really cool to watch. Because like I never really, I never grew up in the church. I stopped going at the age of twelve. So like to see someone who spent their life in church perform for people who all are very still involved with church, it's a cool experience, man. Because it's still related. I can still relate. To a lot of your stories without even going, yeah, it's, it's pretty. That's what that's what makes it pretty dope storytelling. Because I'm like, yo, I never really been to black church or white church, yeah. <laughs> but but I, I I relate. I could picture this story of this old lady having candy in her purse and, oh, and passing it out. You know what I mean? Like that's funny. Ernest the accent just actually passed away. Damn. R.I.P. Yeah, it, it, I, I say her name in the joke if you're listening. Yeah. There's a joke about this lady who gives away this nasty candy at church. Yeah. She just passed away. So shout out to Ernestine Atkinson. So you're back in D.C. doing shows. You just did the Overachievers show on Wednesday. That was so much fun, bro. That was nuts. You te- you DM me saying you are coming. I was excited, but I was going to wait until you showed up because I wasn't sure if you are going to really show up or not. You know what I mean? What? I, I was excited. I was super excited. I mean, I, I had been, I was literally just coming to support, and I told you that because it's like, it's no, just, I know, it's one of those shows where it's just like it's always gonna be fun. You're always gonna see a lot of 
you gonna see amazing comedy, but you get to see all your friends and yeah, it's just a it's just a dope vibe. I try to create an energy where it's very welcoming and fun and yeah, uh, you know, even though I always be like in my producer hat mode, but it's like, it you know, I've been doing it long enough to know like you know I just I just got to get through this night and then uh, get back to get back to normal. Yeah, no, the vibe is dope. Bo is so dope. Like that that DJ element is because you did the, you so did fresh. you did the first one right? Yeah, yeah, you did the first one at the Improv. The first yep. in December with Tony Woods and so like dog from that from that one to this one I feel like now we're starting to get like because I feel like the first one it was like not a lot of people from the original Overachievers audience but then now like you said people are coming to the shows with wearing merch like you know what I mean they're really like I got the like city turned out like legit like it's I've never seen I've never seen a show sell that much merch and people literally like walking in and they're overachievers so i was like yo do you get like 50 percent off the ticket if you wear a shirt they're like no we just it's yeah, just dope yeah, yeah. and the, the merch is dope like please yo please if you listen check out overachievers merch yeah but man thanks man it's like yo people really are like it's becoming like a movement you know what i'm saying like you know what it is man and i, I i've kind of been saying it on the podcast but like i'll tell you right now it's like dog give 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 us another six months to a year you're gonna see some really like it's gonna be kind of wild like what's gonna happen in six months to a year yeah only because where i'm putting my energy into right now yeah which is this podcast and um and my youtube page i'm gonna start doing the youtube podcast episodes like with video yeah and like talking to people and i feel like because i feel like people have to see us almost to tell it like like when we tell in our stories like yo you really was in la at the hollywood improv and donnell really pulled you to the side and told you like that's a crazy story yeah, like, that's yeah. a wild. That's a very vulnerable story too, because it just happened like two weeks ago, right? Or recently? Yeah, like, you know, the thing is, like, so I'm gonna be headlining all around the country and the world. Like, it's, right? I, 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 I do believe that, but I don't. I don't have any problem telling stories about when I bombed or when things don't go right, because I feel like people are afraid to tell those stories. But it happens. You know what I'm saying? Like, Dog, that's yeah. That's 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 the, that's, that's the whole that's the, the whole part of it. Yeah, you can't have W's without the L's. You know what I mean? You can't. Those are the, the L's is what makes you who you are. Like that's what that's how greatness is formed. I know that for a fact. Dog, I've taken so many L's. Yeah. So many L's. That's why I always try to tell my like my friend friends like my comedy friends like because sometimes I get phone calls from my friends and like asking for advice because they're frustrated on like whether it's their followers or like you know they're not getting the results they want and it's like bro, here's the thing that no one's telling you. Every comic is going through the same thing. We just don't, it's just not public info. It's like just no one speaks about it. No one's promoting it. We're all struggling to come up with the next idea, the next Instagram caption, the next, like whatever in the moment like is. Like we're all dealing with the same things. We just put our best Instagram post and everyone assumes that's life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People pull up to the DC Improv things like, oh, this shit is, man, it must be nice. But it's like, bro. The behind this, it's what the what you do behind the scenes that gets you there. I'm really hoping that our comedy class is like our group is the group that really brings DC. It's a couple things that I, I know our our class has the potential to do. One, I'm hoping that we can make the process of becoming great a lot more attainable in terms of like the grind and the work ethic of yeah. becoming a comedian. And then two, I'm hoping that we can bring more of an industry standard and industry success to DC. So like, yo, listen, write, perform, act, improv. Yes. Yes. Like get your business straight, get your sketches, get your social media together. I think a lot of, and it's a lot of cats in Baltimore who are like, it's a, 
you know, yeah. Baltimore's a – I mean, D.C. – Baltimore's in Maryland. DMV. But yeah, like the whole DMV area. But Baltimore is not in the DMV. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's in Maryland, but it's not a part of the what are you DMV. Trying, are, you, are you trying to say Baltimore, the com- comedy scene's di- like just not really – Baltimore in everything to yeah. me is just different, different from everything else. Like, right. So – I know a lot of cats up there are like really grinding on the social media and it's a different vibe up there. But I think Baltimore and D.C. in some ways can grow in our ability to like learn more about acting, take acting classes, like branding, no websites. Like right, right, right. Business called like all social yeah. media. I, I mean, look, yeah, I think what we're doing between me, myself and you, you know, yeah. what, what we're doing on this podcast is we're laying a blueprint. Yeah. We're sharing the information. Yeah. That's what makes us. Like, I think that's what separates us also is because like we've gotten to a level where a lot of people aspire to be we're not done yet not but we're willing to share information yeah yeah yeah, for sure i think that's one of the things i try to really work on is like continuing to just share like yo this is what i did this is how i got here you know it started at a 40 seater spot in adams morgan called brass monkey then we moved to heaven and hell then we went to jackpot then we went to uh pen social then we went to and then it just kept moving up and up and up draft house comedy loft then these so there's like i'm telling everyone the whole process but what we can't show people is you know they got to put in the work yeah. and um but i think by sharing information i didn't have this information yeah coming up i wish there was a i could listen to a podcast that told me literally what to do or even sharing the experience so that you know what to expect you know, you telling me that story about Hollywood improv. I wish I would have told you, like, yo, Mo Better Monday. Yo, you got to. That's like, I don't know. That's like, uh, what's that comedy club? LOL club. You know what I mean? Like, that's. Sheesh. You know, LOL was like. I wasn't even around for that, but I could like, you know. That was the Lions then. I could tell you that's the energy you should have came with. Yeah. You know what I mean? On some like assassin type shit. Yeah. But again, what I said earlier, that shit was a positive. Believe, believe it. Believe it or not. Yeah. Because. The worst thing that could have happened, it could have been amazing, and then you were like, I got it in yeah. L.A. Because the truth is, if you experience you know, a set like that early on, like you did, it's going to prepare you mentally for what you need to, how you're going to approach it. Yeah. Because you got to really come, and L.A. is one of those, those cities where you have to have a guillotine under your, under your, uh, under your pillow, you know, and pull it out when you need to. Yeah. You know, get the samurai sword sharpened. Because uh, you in a town with killers. Yeah. Those are all, dog, the world's best is just hanging out. Yeah. And they're all there for one one reason and one reason only, and that's to be the best. And they all want the limelight. Yeah. And you're there in the mix. Yeah. So that's the one thing about D.C. that we we take for granted a lot of times. Like, we got killers, but I feel like we're all willing to, like, we're kind of graceful. We're not necessarily, like, I don't, there's not a lot of showboating in the sense of, like, like, yo, this is my, I need to be the king. Or at least there's not a lot of flaunting like that. Like, that energy isn't in the air. Like, yeah. it's very uh, respectful bow, you know, sensei. Like, it's a workman's know. group. Yeah, like, everyone, We I feel like we kept that culture, you know, for the most part. You know, obviously nothing's perfect, but sure. I feel like we kept it as cordial as we could. Yeah. For, for, for you know, for this, for, for a, a line of work that has so much ego. Yeah. You need to have ego. To, 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 to be able to do, you know to be able to convince an audience that you're the only person they should be paying attention to in this moment to be the only person talking in a room <laughs> yeah like to pay so you can be quiet to listen <laughs> yeah. to another person yeah. is the most narcissistic it's a, thing yeah 
But then to be off stage, you know, to turn that off or turn it down to the point where we could have like a relationship that yeah. we can like say some real things into a microphone on a podcast. So yeah. that's like to me, that's what that's what is a uh, kind of special about what we got here in DC. It is a frat. We got a nice little fraternity, man. And you know, I think it's I think we're getting I think we're one generation of comedy away from the place where you don't have to move to be introduced to the industry. Bruh, like I said, give me six months to a year. That's all I need. Six months to a year. Things are gonna I'm gonna I got a couple things cooking. Yeah. You know? I'm a I'm a I I I've been telling my friends already, but I wanna be able to do it myself to like just show my friends, be like, look. Just look at what I'm look at this the is num- what it is. look at the numbers yeah and look at the numbers on this and this and this yeah that's all I'm gonna say because I I know uh, the names on the overachiever show are starting to get like dog it's, I, don't, I don't know if you've told everybody what you have coming next month no it's it was I, I announced it on the because I just dropped the Rob Hayes episode today okay, cool so it's like Cipher Sounds Ramon Rivas Nimish Patel it's uh, basically like comedy you know what I mean comedy seller you know just it's it's uh we're at that level where they're texting me like they're texting me like yo so-and-so told me that you you know i heard nothing but good things what up yeah and new york comics are gonna start coming down here a lot more that's what it's it's already big hunt already did that yeah but now dc improv is a different level of like prestige Big Hunt, don't get it twisted, is is a great one of the best rooms I think in the country. But sure. DC Improv is one of the rooms that's like, we've talked about it before on this, you know, podcast. But it's uh, it's comedy heaven, you know. It's the uh, to me, it's it's one of the best places to do comedy in the country. Yeah, like I don't know anybody who doesn't. I, even in LA, when people talk about where they love to do comedy, yeah, it's the people who end up doing weekends at the Improv who are like, "Yo, I love DC." Yeah. Like, I if I had to shoot a special right now, it would yeah. be in DC. You know what my favorite thing about the Improv is is like the way they run it. Like from the moment you walk in to like your like to you leave, it's like the staff is just on it. Yeah, that's so rare because you do other spots around town. You know, not dropping any names, but it's like. Like yo, is there even security here? Like, yeah. is there? What if something happens? Like, what? Yeah. Who's gonna who's gonna come in and break <laughs> right. this up? Right. You know what I mean? Is there a door person? Is there anyone here to check people? Like, what is going on? It's definitely a machine. Yeah. It, the DC Improv is the machine. You know, and uh, yeah, dog. I'm excited for you, man. I mean, Thank to pe- to all the people listening, man. I feel like, you know, Kason is a uh, he's on his way, man. He's about to, you know. I think like you're one or two things that all of a sudden is going to like put you on the path where it's like undeniable. You know, I'm working towards it, man. But to me, to me, you're undeniable already. I appreciate it. But to the world, I feel like, you know, you're going to do all your one or two things away, dog. Let me get a couple of these scripts together. Yeah. And let me like start taking my social media seriously. Yeah. And then, you know what? I, you know, maybe I do, do need to think about like a podcast or something. Like I, you know, I, I would support yeah. it. I would, you know, I would listen. I would listen in. I would, uh, you know, drop some tips, drop some, you know, email in. And uh, would it be like a comedy thing or just an inspirational thing? It could think? be a combine. It, it would be who you are as a person. Because you gotta understand, like what I tell my friends is very similar to stand up. Like 
you don't want to trap yourself in a situation where um, you're not being yourself because then it becomes work. When you're being yourself and you're just being who you are on and off the podcast or on and off stage, then you're just kind of like having fun. Yeah. And being, you know, you're growing. Yeah. Doc, I have like I'm a, I do solo episodes now on this joint, which I just started doing like two, three weeks ago mm-hmm. since I've been doing it for three weeks on stage. I've gotten so much better, so much calmer, so much because when it's solo and it's just me, I'm just talking for 30, 40 minutes, riffing, telling new stories I haven't told. Yeah. Like stories that I'm maybe trying to flesh out, but there's no pun- there's no like like uh, tags or anything. It's just it's just a story that I think is very interesting, yeah. you know, from like. You know, working for Quentin Tarantino, going to his house to drop off the the Django Unchained script, meeting Harvey Weinstein, uh, playing poker with Mackay Pfeiffer in L.A. Uh, just like wild stories that I, I can't tell on stage because there's no like, you know, it's not a traditional joke. It's just yeah. a story I just want to share. Yeah, it's yeah. like a fun story. Yeah. But I get to practice telling stories and then it helps with being on stage and just being able to like be in the moment and just like. That's what I'm saying. Not a lot of people be able to tell stories. That's why I feel like your stories, uh, I could easily see you on that Comedy Central story uh, show. Uh, this is not happening. You, you know what? I I, I want to do that show really that's bad. A, that's that would be a great that would be a great look. I actually just had a family funeral that happened like a month ago. Uh huh. And I, I would love to tell that story on there. Yo, do you want you want to uh, share the story with the audience, and you know we could. Oh sure, yeah, all right. We could close it on on the. This is a this is what's happening on the Overachievers podcast. All right, so my cousin Barbara Jean passed um, over the Christmas break. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, no, it was cool. She was she was dope. So my cousin Barbara Jean passed, and her uh, funeral comes up. Now Barbara Jean was like a super. It, it's not the president dying, you know what I'm saying? Like she was a, she was a cool down to earth person. So her funeral ain't, we ain't not gonna have no horses and carriages. She's you know down to earth hood person. You know what I'm right, saying? Right, right, right. So we get to her funeral. Her sister has converted to the nation of Islam, and her husband is actually a pretty prominent dude in the nation of Islam. So just keep that in the back of your mind. Okay. So we at the funeral. Everything is going great. The whole family is together. Now, mind you, like I, it, I feel like black people are the only people who talk about having different sides of their family. My, my grandmother's side of the family is super churchy. That's like the Jones side. Mm-hmm. But the Wilson side is like, like they snuck in vitamin water bottles to the church. Right. With alcohol in it, obviously. <laughs> so, like, we get to the funeral. Barbara Jean's sister gets up with her husband. They're both really prominent in the nation of Islam. So he gets up. And he starts off his remark. You know, it's remarks, so he's supposed to talk for two minutes and then get right. Up. He starts off his remarks by being like, "Y'all still eating that meat?" So we like, "Oh, okay, this is gonna be different." Then he continues, and the next thing he says is, "Does everybody have a peppermint? Does everybody get a peppermint at the door?" So we're like, "I mean, people are like crying, grieving. Like this is a really sad. She died like suddenly." This isn't like no disease over time. Yeah. Like, this is a sudden death that we're all still like dealing right. with. <laughs> so he starts off his remarks by being like, did everybody get a peppermint? So we're like, nobody, everybody says no. He says, raise your hand if you didn't get a peppermint. Everybody raises their hand. So he says, all right, well, somebody go get the peppermints. So somebody literally leaves from the front row, like crying, runs to the car, grabs like these dollar store bags of peppermints and brings them inside. And then they start going to every row and like, Take one, pass it down, take one, pass it down. So everybody in the church has like a peppermint in their hand, which is like 
This is already really weird. Mind <laughs> you, so the time that it takes to leave a church, go to the car, go in a trunk, get peppermints, yeah. come back, he's standing there saying nothing, like waiting for all, all that. Like he's not doing, <laughs> he's not talking or saying a word oh, until man. we get all these peppermints. So we all get the peppermints. He's like, all right, cool. Everybody take the peppermint out gently. Why he said the word gently was weird, but he said, yo, just take take the peppermint out gently and just put it in your mouth. So we're like, okay. So everybody, most of all of us take the peppermint, we put it in our mouth. We're just waiting for the next direction. So then he starts this, like, his big, like, his big spin where he's like, yo, listen, life is fleeting. I just want everybody to know right now in this church, you're not sitting in Barbara Jean's funeral. You're sitting in your funeral. She's not dead. You're dead. So listen out. Life is fleeting. One day is here, and then the next day is not. Just like that peppermint. You feel like the contents of that peppermint going down your throat right now? That's because that's not a peppermint in your mouth. That's Barbara Jean in your mouth. Suck on Barbara Jean. And he literally says suck on Barbara Jean for like the next 30 seconds. Like suck on Barbara Jean. How does Barbara Jean taste in your mouth? That's Barbara Jean going down your throat right now. So the question you have to ask yourself in life is how do you taste in other people's mouths? And then he like points out like members of our family. It's like, yo, Marcus, I love you. You taste great going down my throat. I love you, bro. And he just walked off. It was the sickest thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> it, yo, it was, it was the eeriest. What was the reaction to that? Did anyone laugh? No. I was the I was the only person. So three of my family it stopped people from grieving. That's how bad it was. Damn. People who were like, I miss you, Barbara Jean, didn't miss her anymore. <laughs> they were like, like, we're going to have to figure out what we, just happened. We got to figure out what just happened. Like, literally, yeah. the whole family stopped crying. And then the organist started playing, like, Precious Lord, Take My Hand or something. Yeah. And that was it. That's wild, dog. It was, it was the oddest. He literally told us that we were sucking on the dead corpse of our cousin, Barbara Jean. Yeah. And it, was, it just, it didn't feel good. <laughs> It was, it was it's I can't explain how awkward it is. And I have the video to prove it. Yeah. That's amen. That's a great story, dog. It's crazy. Appreciate you uh sitting in my car doing this with me, dog. Always a pleasure, my brother. It's bowling alley's about to close, so we got I know, <laughs> I know. We gotta we gotta get going. Yeah. We gotta drive back to civilization. It's real out here, man. Thank you for having me, man. Yeah, I appreciate dog. This. I was I love, gonna say uh I love talking with you. Can we plug anything that you got coming up? Um, so Instagram, yeah, know. please follow me on Instagram at the life of K A Y. Check out my website, the life of K A Y.com. Um, man, I have a lot of super dope stuff coming up. Actually, um, just did a the shade room is actually um coming out with original content. Oh, so they have a new show coming out. I think it's gonna be like YouTube, I think. I'm okay, but they have a new show called Struggle Chef with Charmaine from Black Ink Crew Chicago. So I did an episode of that. It's myself, Kyle Jones, uh, Tammy Roman uh, from Basketball Wives. Dope, dope, and, dope. Um, Jocelyn. Okay. So, um, yo, please check that out. Check it out. Yeah. Uh, to all the listeners who are, uh, you know, feeling Kason, uh, you know, DM him, comment, tell him if he should start his podcast, uh, you know, engage. That's why I be telling my uh, listeners, like, yo, man, because I tell them to slide in my DMs, let me know how the episode was, you know, if you all fuck with it. You know, what we should keep, like, how we can improve it. Yeah. You know, because we always try to overachieve, you know. We don't settle for, for, for basic. We we strive for greatness. So, you know, let us know how you feel, man. 
appreciate y'all listening. If you haven't subscribed yet, yo, subscribe to my iTunes Podbean. Follow me on Instagram at Martin Amini. Um, and tickets are, are are available for May 8th, Overachievers. Uh, we got Ramon Rivas, Saifa Sounds, and Imish Patel. And then there's some, if you want to come to my April 24th show where I'm doing an hour of new material, uh, shoot me a DM in my Instagram and I'll, uh, I'll save you a ticket. All right. Appreciate y'all. Appreciate you, K-Song. Yo. Talk to you guys soon. Peace.